the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. My kudos to Pickerington schools. They are problematic on the topic of critical race theory, but at least on masks, which is not as big a deal as critical race theory, which poisons people's minds and turns them against our nation and makes them think they're either oppressed or oppressors. Still, masks are a problem, and at least Pickerington is allowing their students and their students' parents to make the decision on masks, at least so far. Superintendent Chris Briggs tells WSYX6, uh, the Ohio Department of Health is recommending staff and students who are not vaccinated wear a mask in school buildings. We continue to move forward with masks optional. I'm pleased to share that a large portion of our staff is vaccinated. We're establishing an environment that is mask welcome for unvaccinated students and staff alike. So the vaccine is not approved for kids under age 12. School in Pickerington begins on August the 16th. I am to presume, I guess, that if you're under 12, you can't be vaccinated. So mask optional would mean you don't have to wear a mask, even though that contradicts the CDC recommendation. But the CDC is uh, ever-changing, as we know, and uh, they seem to have zero interest in studies that conflict with their narrative. I've mentioned the Cleveland Clinic study many times. I will give you the numbers on it because I think they're important. Last year, the Cleveland Clinic tested all of its employees. Private entity, it can do that. 52,000 employees. At one point or another, 2,500 of them tested positive for COVID. Okay? 2,500 of them. By mid-December, half of the 2,500, 46%, mostly half, Of the ones who'd recovered, because if they're dead, there's no need to test them anymore. 46% of the recovered COVID patients had taken the vaccine. Which means, of course, 54% of the recovered had not. Okay, so now Cleveland Clinic is sitting there going, look at this, look at this. We've got a pretty good sample size. Half of our employees are vaccinated who had COVID and recovered. Half of our employees did not get the vaccine after they had COVID and recovered. So five months later... None of the previously infected people had been reinfected with COVID. None of them. None of the 2,500, not a one, had COVID a second time, including all 54%, 1,359 employees who did not get vaccinated. None of them were reinfected. And this was the conclusion of the study. 
Our study provides direct evidence that vaccination does not add protection to those who were previously infected. Oh, brother. The Cleveland Clinic got grief from the honchos in healthcare over that. And they have since published an addendum to their study. It is important to keep in mind that this study was conducted in a population that was younger and healthier than the general population. In addition, we do not know how long the immune system will protect itself against reinfection after COVID-19. It is safe to receive the COVID-19 vaccine, even if you have been previously tested as positive. It's also uh, safe to uh, put a tinfoil hat on your head with a coat hanger sticking out. That won't help you any more than (laughs) anything else. So I just... Look, I mean, why is it why is it bad news that at least three studies have found that natural antibodies produced by COVID recovered patients produced by COVID recovered patients? Why is it bad news that those antibodies perform well in keeping you from reinfection? Why is that bad news? Because they can't push you and push you and push you and make you react like the wackos at the Capitol reacted on January the 6th. That's why. They can't control you. They can't tell you what to do. You will not do it because we said so. That's the bad news. They don't have power. So we'll see. We'll see where this goes. And I just pray it doesn't go bad. Because I think a lot of people have been pushed to their limit. And when people are pushed to their limit, bad things happen. Because we're a really soft society now, man. We are so soft. This is what has come to me essentially 24 hours after the Simone Biles thing at the Olympics on Tuesday. Okay, so the story yesterday, and Aaron and I talked about this. It was a good conversation. We didn't agree, but it's still a good conversation, civil conversation, and enlightening for me and I hope for you. Simone Biles went out to compete in the team gymnastics final at the Olympics. She vaulted once. She didn't feel confident. And so she said, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to compete anymore today. Okay. So people who were not planning to compete in certain events had to jump in and compete in her place. Had they trained for that, prepared for that? Not like they would have if they'd known they were going to have to um, compete. And America got second place, and that was an upset. They were heavily favored to win the gold. Okay, so the focus yesterday of my comments about Simone Biles were that she quit. She let her team down. Aaron disagreed. He's like, you know, you don't know what's going on in her head. Aaron, have I accurately uh, summarized your view on the Simone Biles thing? I guess, yeah. Okay. I just said, you know, she, you don't know what's going on in her head, what she's battling. She didn't feel up to it. You weren't as upset about it. Yeah. Or even unable to do it. Unable to do it. Yeah, mentally unable to do it. And I thought physically it was, unable to do yeah, it. Yeah, she said she wasn't physically hurt, so I don't think that was a part of it. But at least you and I had different views of it. What has now become the story to me, a much bigger story than one individual electing not to compete, is the reaction to her not deciding to compete. I am... I was very bothered by her, in my opinion, not Aaron's, but in my opinion, tapping out, quitting, not giving her best for her team and her country. 
That really bothered me. What bothers me more is we've gotten to this point now where we have to not only allow her to do that and not only have to say nothing about it, we have to applaud it. We have to label it brave, courageous. We have to affirm giving up in the midst of competition. We have to accept that, apparently, in all instances, if you don't feel like doing it, that's okay. It's it's okay. She actually said yesterday, it's okay sometimes to be selfish. And that attitude is so insidious in our country. That attitude feeds a lot of not just erroneous, but evil things in our society. It's all about me. One, two, three, me. Now, today, she withdrew from the individual all-around final, which she was favored to win. That doesn't bother me because she's the one who pays the price for that. She's the one who would have cashed in on another gold medal in that and uh, more endorsements and, you know, greater wealth and prestige and legacy and all this. That's an individual decision. It affects only her. That's okay. It's fine. But the appeasement and the um, arm twisting to agree with this, and not just agree with it, but to celebrate it. What happened to work ethic? What happened to responsibility? What happened to overcoming adversity? What happened to pushing through? These are the reasons we do difficult things. One of the best podcasts I've listened to in a long, long time was with an author, I'm trying to remember the host of the podcast. I know her first name. First name is Molly. She's a former sports agent. Um, but the the author on the podcast was Angela Duckworth. I remember the name. Angela Duckworth. Um, I'll find Molly's name for you here in a minute. Nope, that's not it. Sports agent. She's a sports agent or was. Um, Molly Fletcher. Molly Fletcher. MollyFletcher.com. You can find the podcast. Angela Duckworth was the person. And Angela Duckworth talked about the hard thing rule. They have a rule in their family called the hard thing rule. And the hard thing rule requires every member of the family to undertake a discipline that is something you have to employ daily practice to get better at, something that does not come natural to you, something that pushes you, stretches you, requires more of you. Improvement is available, but only through diligence and practice. The person who undertakes that hard thing chooses that hard thing. So it has to be something you're interested in, right? But once you choose the hard thing, you cannot quit it for a predetermined period of time. Let's say your son or daughter says, you know what, I'd like to play tennis. And so you say, okay, I'll buy you a racket, I'll buy you the shoes, I'll buy you the balls, and, you know, we'll go out, we'll hit the tennis ball around, and you join the school team. 
if three practices into the season, your son or daughter says, oh, man, it's not that. It's really hot. It's 90 today. The heat index is over 100. Like, I'm not. Like, we got to do push-ups in between sets. Like, I'm not doing that. I, I'm quitting. You say, no, no, you have to play until the end of the season. You have to play until the end of the season. Taking piano lessons, you pay for 10 piano lessons. Two piano lessons in, your son or daughter's lost. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to do piano, I want to do guitar. Sorry, I paid for 10 piano lessons, you're going to take all 10. That's the hard thing rule. You have to do the hard thing, and you have to do it for a predetermined period of time. We don't want to do the hard thing anymore. Simone Biles is eminently capable of doing the hard thing. She's struggled, I'm sure, many times in her life pushing through. You don't get to be as talented, as transformative, as amazing as she is without that. So again, whatever she decided, she decided. Okay, I I ran it on that yesterday. But the whole appeasement of it is you have to affirm it and you have to embrace it and you have to hold it up as courageous. No, no. It's a very dangerous mindset for us to get into as a country and as a culture. Trisha from Gahanna has a thought. Hello, Trisha. Thanks for calling the Bruce Hooley Show. Hey, Bruce. Um, just want to share a perspective and throw an idea out there. Okay. Um, I believe she's a gymnast who was sexually assaulted in an athletic environment if I'm understanding and remembering correctly. I've heard she was and, recently disclosed that she was part of the many gymnasts who were among those violated by Larry Nasser. Correct. Right. So just throwing out there that someone with trauma or PTSD, some of the things they're going through as gymnasts and COVID um, could have been triggering some past experiences that she may not real vocally as a reason for her stepping down and not being able to perform. So just want to share there could be more going on than what she publicly discloses. No, you're absolutely right. And I, I, here's what I, here's what I know about that, Tricia. Um, number one, she has cited that before as a reason why she did not retire because she said she wanted to hold USA gymnastics accountable and that it would be easier to hold USA gymnastics accountable. <coughs> excuse me if someone who was still competing and was still in the public eye were kind of keeping that issue at the forefront, okay? So she has said that, and it did happen uh, to her prior to the 2016 Rio Games when she did very well. Now, you're absolutely right about PTSD. There's no timetable on that. It could come up now. It could come up later. But my comments today are about this, the general attitude, not about her specifically, that we don't want to get into the habit of, allowing people to just say, well, I don't feel like doing it, so I'm not going to do it. And then we celebrate that because then nothing will ever get done in our country. But I do appreciate you weighing in, and I very much appreciate you listening and offering your perspective. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. So we'll see how she does. She's not going to compete Thursday. She can compete next week. I tend to think, I mean, my hope for her is she gets to end her Olympic career on a high note. Uh, My hope for us is that we get back to the point where personal responsibility means something. Because if personal responsibility and uh, obligation to others and willingness to follow through on things you promise to do doesn't uh, have a place of prominence in our culture, that that is not how we got to be a great country. 
And that is certainly not how we will remain a great country. Hey, if you're worried about your mask mandate, well, then you have the same mindset as a U.S. congressman. Nancy Pelosi uh, says you have to wear a mask in the House chamber, and she'll fine you 500 bucks if you don't do it. Uh, Chip Roy is a congressman from Texas. Uh, Chip, not happy about this little development by the uh, speaker, and he let everybody know it today in an impassioned speech on the House floor. We have a crisis at our border, and we're playing footsie with mask mandates in the people's house. I mean, it's absolutely absurd what this body is doing, the people's house. It's an embarrassment. It's a mockery. And the American people are fed up. They want to go back to life. They want to go back to business. They want to go back to school without their children being forced to wear masks, to be put in the corner, to have mental health issues. And we're running around here, and the speaker comes down here at 10 o'clock in the morning saying, we got to wear masks? In the people's house, while we've got thousands of people pouring across our border and Democrats don't do a darn thing about it, heavily infected with COVID. We have the New York Times, okay, today. What a mess. CDC about to reverse on indoor masking for the vaccinated, quote unquote. This is some serious nanny state stuff that will only breed resentment. No kidding. Consider resentment being magnified right here in the floor of the House of Representatives. We are absolutely sick and tired of it, and so are the American people. This sham of an institution is doing nothing for the American people, nothing for the betterment of the people that send their representatives here. I just met this morning with an organization that tries to take care of people from human trafficking, met with an elected official from Mexico, while cartels are raping and pillaging and killing. And we have people infected with COVID coming across our southern border into Texas, and you all put masks Masks up front here, here on the people's house. We got to go around and see, okay, we can't come to the floor. I can't execute my constitutional duty unless I wear a mask. Which is it? Vaccines or masks? Do the vaccines work or they don't work? Do the masks work so they don't work? I'd like to know which it is. I'd like Dr. Fauci to come down and answer a single question about natural immunity. If you've been infected with a virus, do you have immunity? Or are they just going to go around poking people, saying you must take a vaccine? Oh, but sorry, the vaccine doesn't work. You must wear a mask. This institution is a sham, and we should adjourn and shut this place down. Fiery speech from Chip Roy, Texas congressman today, in, as he said several times, the people's house. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. How do they intend to goose up vaccine rates by making those who are vaccinated wear masks indoors? Makes no sense to me. Now, this makes sense to me, but I tried to warn you. The name, image, and likeness thing in college athletics, I said would lead to a million-dollar college athlete. Did you think it would lead to a million-dollar high school athlete coming to college early here in Columbus, Ohio? Well, it just might. The biggest name recruit in the Buckeyes football recruiting class for next season, 2022, is Texas high school quarterback Quinn Ewers. Well, in Texas, everything's bigger, but not their allowance for high school kids to make money off their name, image, and likeness. So far, high school stars in Texas cannot do that. So Quinn Ewers has a way around that. And that way, maybe, if you believe reporting from Yahoo Sports, to enroll at Ohio State right now. 
because Quinn Ewers of South Lake Carroll High School in Texas, with 80,000 Instagram followers and 23,000 Twitter followers, is believed to be capable of making $1 million at Ohio State this season. Would he start? Mm-hmm. He'd have a very uphill battle. Uh, several other players on the roster, notably C.J. Stroud, have been on campus for two years, but everybody thinks Quinn Ewers is all that. And I do know this. With a blonde mullet, a big-time social media following, and the feeding frenzy over name, image, and likeness being in its infancy, so buyers are motivated but perhaps not educated about monetizing these young people? Quinn Ewers could make a lot of money as an Ohio State Buckeye standing on the sidelines without throwing so much as a pass. Bryce Young, the Alabama quarterback, I told you, he's thrown one touchdown pass in his career. Nick Saban, his head coach, said he's already approaching $1 million in earnings. Uh, That's a fascinating story. There are many. We never run out of them. That's why it's so much fun doing this program and talking with you. I want to thank you for your buy-in to the program today. I genuinely enjoyed interacting with you, and I look forward to doing it with you again tomorrow. Carl Jackson is next. In the meantime, why don't you call My Pillow and order some of their fine merchandise?